When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to King Darius and said to him, Remember, your majesty, that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, May the king live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me, because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den, along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then King Darius wrote to all the nations and peoples of every language in all the earth, May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Uh, well, good morning, everyone. Uh, my name's Murray, and it's great to be here with you this morning. And what a wonderful passage we have to look at today. The famous story of Daniel and the lion's den. It's great to come together each Sunday as God's people to hear from his word. One of the great joys of Sunday is that we're able to gather as Christians together. Because sometimes living as a Christian throughout the week can be hard. There are times when we're tempted to keep our faith silent in many of our circles of life. And this expectation of silence is something that I've struggled with for many years in different relationships and environments. And so I'm really excited to be looking at this chapter together today. As we come to Daniel chapter 6, we're going to see Daniel's persistent faithfulness to his God. Faithfulness that continues even when he's put under pressure. And we'll also see God's enduring faithfulness, both shown to Daniel and also to us, as we're pointed to see not only uh, God's rescue of Daniel, but God's great rescue of each one of us. But let me pray as we get started today. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word for us. Help us to understand it, trust it, and apply it. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of, my heart, of our hearts 
be pleasing in your sight, Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. On the screen, we'll have a picture of Daniel in the lion's den. Calm and confident in his God as he stands before the lions. But there's something wrong with this picture, isn't there? Daniel looks far too young. At this point in the narrative, Daniel's about 90 years old. (laughs) It's an important detail for us to know. Daniel's been in Babylon for many decades. And for many decades, Daniel has remained faithful to his God. As we read Daniel, we imagine that life in Babylon was constant action as God saves people from fires and lions and displays his glorious power, allowing Daniel to interpret dreams and messages. Yet the chapters of the book of Daniel span over 70 years. The events that we read probably narrate but a couple of weeks throughout that period. Over 70 years of faithfulness from Daniel as he remains in exile. And even when God has displayed his power throughout the previous chapters, Daniel has remained in Babylon. Though different rulers have taken the throne, different powers have conquered the world, Daniel hasn't returned to his homeland. He remains in exile. His people remain scattered. His God remains, in the eyes of many, still defeated. But Daniel remains faithful. Faithful even beyond what he can see. And this faithfulness is noticeable to all those around him. For one thing, Daniel's reputation is seen positively by the new King Darius, the king of the newly reigning Medo-Persian Empire. In verse 3, we see that Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. That's incredible recognition from a foreign king that he would overlook all those from the Medo-Persian ruling class to appoint this ageing foreigner to rule this part of Darius' expanding kingdom. Somewhat understandably, this makes the others jealous. So in verse 4, they tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt or negligent. Daniel's faithfulness, both to his God as well as to his role in Babylon, is obvious to his enemies. But to them, it's noticed negatively. They seek to harm Daniel out of jealousy. But Daniel's books are in order. Despite 70 years of service in the Babylonian courts, they cannot find any basis for charges against him. So with nothing offensive found in Daniel's professional life, They turn to his personal life, and particularly to his obvious commitment to God. And this is where things take a turn for Daniel, as he's pressured to forsake his faithfulness, to fall in line with the world around him. These scheming administrators approach the king, saying, Oh, great, powerful king, people should pray to you, not anyone else. And ironically, this powerful king is putty in the hands of these malicious officials. And so he all too quickly approves this edict, and it becomes law. Anyone praying to anyone except the king for the next 30 days will be thrown to the lions. Think back to what happened in chapter 3. Nebuchadnezzar ordered that everyone bow down and worship his statue. But this time, 
rather than asking for a public show of endorsement for an idol. The people are simply being pressured not to let their private faith be made public, not to continue in faithfulness, at least not faithfulness that can be seen. Daniel's not being called to bag for another idol or commit any sin. He merely, for just 30 days, has to not be publicly noticed praying to his God. Our society is not much different today. Most people are very happy for us to have our own faith, to each his own. But any attempt to speak publicly or to show our faith is off limits. You may have heard that to speak about politics or religion at the dinner table is not socially acceptable, as it causes too many differences of opinion. For most of our society, private faith is fine, as long as it doesn't impinge on them. But if you choose to reveal your faith, there will be a cost. That's certainly how I felt all through high school. I remember not wanting to be known as a Christian because I had the distinct impression that my friends would think less of me. And there's an easy solution to these situations, isn't there? Just remain private in our faith. For Daniel, he only had to wait out 30 days. Daniel's been there 70 years. What's 30 days compared to that? I read some sums, and those 30 days total about 0.1% of Daniel's time in exile. It's so insignificant. But Daniel remains faithful. He will continue to pray to his God. And so in verse 10 we read, Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. I think we're all glad that Daniel continued to pray. We recognise that as the right thing to do. But why does he make his prayer so obvious? Surely he just closed the windows, right? As long as he isn't caught praying, he won't be thrown to the lions. And I'm sure he doesn't think that God needs the windows to be open to hear him. Daniel knows that he could continue to pray in silence, but he chooses to remain visible in his faithfulness, even knowing that there would be a cost. Why? Perhaps because he wanted to encourage others to continue their faithfulness rather than being shut up by the authorities. Perhaps because he wanted to show his enemies that his faith would not be shaken despite their threats. Perhaps he knew that God would be glorified through him paying the cost for faithfulness, even if he dies as a faithful martyr. Whatever the reason, Daniel counts the cost and remains faithful. Three times a day, he gets on his knees and prays to his God, just as he had done before. He knew what the consequence would be for his continued prayer, but he chooses to continue his pattern of faithfulness. He's not going to hide his faith. Instead, he will face the consequences. He chooses to fear God rather than to fear man. I suspect none of us will face the problem of having 30 days where we're forbidden to pray to our God. But maybe some of us do feel under pressure to be silent in our faith. Maybe at the workplace, where we're told not to speak about Jesus. Or maybe from friends who don't accept our opinion on different topics because our stance is shaped by our faith. Or simply from family, who are keen to have us commit to Sunday being a family day together. 
All of these are hard situations. We want to honour our family, our friends and our employers. But how do we do that without being silenced about our faith? Let's look at what helped Daniel remain faithful in his time of testing. It seems that Daniel's habits of faithfulness, forged over many, many years, produced his faithful response at this particular time. For 70 long years, Daniel had prayed to his God. There would have been times when that was a great joy as he saw God answer his prayers. And there would have been times where that was a great struggle, where his prayers seemed to go unanswered. But all throughout these 70 years, he continues in prayer. Our habits of faithfulness are so important, whether it be our regular prayer or our Bible reading or coming along to church each week. As we do these things more and more, we're encouraged and grown to get more out of them, to grow in our faithfulness. Yet, quite often, we let other things get in the way of our habits of faithfulness that aren't even external pressures, whether it be a particularly busy period at work or a long-awaited holiday, from a difficult life stage with young kids, or a global pandemic that forces us online for our church services. There are lots of things that tempt us to neglect our regular faithfulness. It's so easy, isn't it, to go a week without reading the Bible, or a fortnight without coming along to church or connect group, or to go 30 days without prayer. And that's without the threat of ravenous lions. But Daniel is a model of faithfulness to us. Not only as he models moments of monumental faith, but Daniel's a model of persistent, often unimpressive faith over many, many years. I was so encouraged last week to hear from a couple of people uh, encouraging me to keep praying for my dad, who told me how they had persistently prayed for their family and how God had, in his good timing, eventually, mercifully, responded. I find this sort of persistent faithfulness so difficult, whether it's continuing to pray for my hard-hearted family or continuing to read the Bible to my young, very distractible children. Persistent faithfulness is hard, but it's Daniel's 70 years of persistent faithfulness that leads Daniel to standing faithful now as he faces great pressure to be silent. This impressive faithfulness does indeed end up getting Daniel thrown to the lions. There is a cost to our faithfulness. Having spied Daniel's persistent prayer, the other administrators return to Darius, telling him of Daniel's rebellion and reminding the king of his interminable decree. Darius is saddened and mourns for Daniel and seeks to save him. But this powerful king, the one to whom all prayers are supposed to be directed, is now shown to be powerless, as the men remind him that no decree given by the king can be changed. So Darius reluctantly orders Daniel to be thrown into the lions. And then he himself breaks his own decree as he sees his own hopelessness and prays to Daniel's God. May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. Daniel has remained faithful to God. He's not being pressured into silence, and now he pays the price. But as we go on, we see that God remains faithful to Daniel. See, the power and control in this chapter 
does it lie with Darius, the ruler of the Medes, nor does it lie with Daniel, the faithful servant. But as it always has, it lies with God, the God who endures forever, who sets up kings, whose kingdom will never end. As the night passes, Darius cannot sleep, but he eagerly rises the next morning to see if Daniel's God has been able to rescue him. Then, as the king approaches the den, Daniel calls out in verse 21, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me, because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, O king. Daniel is safe. He's been rescued by his ever-faithful God. And in the end, Darius, like Nebuchadnezzar before him, issued it to decree that all people must honour this God of Daniel. Verse 26 says, For he is the living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. We've seen this sort of passage before throughout Daniel as subsequent world powers acknowledge the God of heaven. Earlier we celebrated Daniel's faithfulness to God over 70 years, which is certainly impressive. But if you thought Daniel was faithful, here we're reminded of God's incredible, enduring, never-ending faithfulness since before the world was even created. All throughout Daniel, we've shown God's never-ending power and faithfulness in the face of ever-changing world rulers. For the people who were first reading this book of Daniel, who lived through a time of frequently changing world leaders and superpowers, this letter of Daniel was a great and timely reminder that no matter who sat on the earthly throne where they lived, God still reigned. It was to be read as reassurance that no matter what earthly unrest surrounded them, God remains faithful. And it was a reminder to them to remain faithful to their faithful God, even when placed under pressure. Today we live a long way from those times, but we still need these same reminders, don't we? Whether we're worrying and praying about international political unrest, which is something very worth our prayers at the moment, or our own changing governments, or even the difficult process of church mergers. It's good to be reminded that God is on the throne, that he is faithful. See, more than showing Daniel's faithfulness to God, this chapter points us to God's faithfulness. In Daniel 6, we see a particular moment of God's faithfulness, as we read of God sending an angel to shut the mouths of the lions. We're reminded of God's ongoing faithfulness as we hear Darius join the echoes of praise that come so frequently from those who have come to see God's power. And we find great glimpses of God's ultimate act of faithfulness as he prepares us for how he would act through his son. We've already looked at Daniel's habit of prayer, but did you notice why he prays in front of the window? He's looking for Jerusalem. Not merely to reminisce of his childhood there, but particularly to the temple, to remember God's promise to forgive his people. Back in 1 Kings chapter 8, as Solomon dedicates the temple, 
He teaches the people that wherever they are, if they pray towards the temple, God hears them and will forgive. And again, Daniel knows that God hears whatever direction he's facing. So does Solomon as he dedicates the temple. But this action is a physical symbol of Daniel seeking forgiveness. Let me read from 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 46. When they sin against you, for there is no one who does not sin, and you become angry with them and give them over to the enemy, who takes them captive to his own land, far away or near. And if they have a change of heart in the land where they are held captive, and repent and plead with you in the land of their conquerors, and say, We have sinned, we have done wrong, we have acted wickedly. And if they turn back to you with all their heart and soul in the land of their enemies who took them captive, and pray to you towards the land you gave their fathers, towards the city you have chosen, and the temple I have built for your name. Then from heaven, your dwelling place, hear their prayer and their plea, and uphold their cause, and forgive your people who have sinned against you. Forgive all the offences they have committed against you. For the last 70 years, Daniel has prayed to his God. He has looked to Jerusalem for his forgiveness the city from which God would one day send his deliverer. Another faithful man who faced great pressure to be silent, but who continued to preach about the kingdom of God and invite everyone who hears to trust him and enter into his kingdom. So each one of us needs salvation too. Not from the man's of lions, but from our own sin. From all those times where our faithfulness fails. This chapter prepares us for what God would do for us in his son, a salvation so much greater than the one given to Daniel. Granted, Daniel's deliverance was astonishing, but even after he came out of the lion's den, he was still in exile, and before too long he would die in exile. That hadn't changed. And many others did suffer without miraculous deliverance under the rulers of Babylon and Persia, Many continue to die, even today, under the rulers of Russia and Korea and every other empire in between. Daniel's deliverance wasn't typical. It was extraordinary and unusual. It was nothing but the work of God. But it was only a shadow of the greater salvation that was to come. It gave reason for hope in the continued days of exile. But where Daniel didn't die in the lion's den, the sentence wasn't carried out to the full. Jesus did die. He went right through death. He bore the full penalty for our sin, so that the deliverance that he provides for all who trust in him would last forever. As the seal on Jesus' tomb was broken, and the resurrection vindicated him as the one who gives deliverance and life to all who come to him, the words of Darius' praise take on new importance. For he is the living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues, and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. It's a great tale, Daniel and the lion's den, and a great story of incredible, persistent faithfulness through many decades of trial and pressure to silence. But don't miss where it leads. First to the even greater faithful one 
who remains on the throne through all ages, and also to the even greater deliverance that Jesus has won, not just for himself, but for all who will turn to him. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the wonderful true story of Daniel and Elias Dan. Thank you for the way that it displays Daniel's faithfulness to you through many years, even under great pressure. We pray that you will enable us to remain faithful for the many years that lie ahead of each of us. Lord, even more than that, we thank you for reminding us of your great faithfulness, that you reign always. Help us to trust you at all times, despite whatever turmoil engulfs us. And finally, thank you for reminding us of Jesus, your faithful one, who faced death for us, who rose triumphant, and who reigns for all eternity. Grow our faithfulness in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.